Welcome to the Press Paul podcast. This is a place for us to engage and hear honest and curious dialogue about Nazareth College and the people who are at the heart of who we are. It's our second season, and we are continuing in 2022 with our Changemaker series. March is Women's History Month, and 2022 is the 50th anniversary of Title IX, a groundbreaking law that helped create gender equity in sports. So several students came to me with a great idea of a roundtable discussion featuring several women coaches on campus, along with diversity, equity, and inclusion student ambassadors. This is a fabulous way to celebrate Nazareth's excellence in women's athletics, as well as the anniversary of Title IX. What's really exciting about this podcast today is that I have my first ever co-host on the podcast, Maya Sizer, who is one of our DEI student ambassadors and a senior business management major and digital marketing minor, who is also an accomplished member of the Nazareth women's basketball team. So here are our guests today. Today, we have women's field hockey coach, Tara Christensen, who returned for her sixth season as head field hockey coach in 2021. Women's rowing coach, Emily Farrar, who returned for her fourth season as the head rowing coach, second season since they became a varsity sport. Women's basketball coach, Kelly Dunn, a Nazareth alum, returning for her seventh season this past winter after capturing an Empire 8 title in the 2020-21 season. So exciting. Women's lacrosse coach, Tracy Lan, a Nazareth alum, returning for her 14th season as head coach this spring, and she serves as senior woman administrator for athletics. And all are joined by Dr. Wayne Hilson, who is Nazareth's new associate vice president for community and belonging. In addition to this incredible team, we also welcome two of Maya's peers who are also DEI student ambassadors. Taylor Roby, who is a graduate music education student and undergrad NAS alum, and a record-breaking swimmer with the Golden Flyers, who just finished fifth overall in the finals of the 50-yard freestyle at the NCAA Division III Swimming and Diving Championships. So outstanding. We are so proud of you. We also have Maya Cox, who is a junior inclusive early childhood education, psychology, and community youth development major, returning for her third season on the women's lacrosse team. I am so honored to be with you all today, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So Maya, let's get started. Sounds good. Starting off with you, Coach Dunn, you came from Northport, you had an amazing career at NAS, but what made you want to become a head coach? So I I grew up um, around sports, and I grew up specifically basketball. Um, And I think it's funny because I actually grew up around mostly men growing up. I'm the youngest of, uh, I have three older brothers who all were involved with sports and specifically basketball. Um, I think a big part of why I wanted to get into coaching was the first part was just basketball has always been so important to me. And it's been a big core value within our family and really have always brought us together. Um, so I knew I wanted to stay involved somehow and women's leagues just weren't cutting it. <laughs> um, so I wanted to, you know, give back. And I think a big part of it was my parents, um, both coached me. And I think that's rare where, um, the mom is also doing a lot of the coaching. 
Um, and I think that's why I wanted to stay within women's athletics as well was my mom coached me and my brothers, um, all growing up. So I had a really positive female role model early in life. Um, you know, that taught me everything that I learned. Um, and I had a lot of positive female coaches throughout my life as well, whether it was soccer, whether it was lacrosse. So, you know, I had people that I would looked up to, um, and that taught me things. And the fact that they, there were some females in there, I think really helped with that. Um, and, and it, it, it showed me what a positive impact, um, coaches have had on my life. Um, so I think the fact that I had that, I wanted to give that to fellow student athletes and female student athletes. And, you know, the fact that this is my seventh year at NAS and I've already been to a couple weddings and baby showers. Um, those are the things that, you know, I remember, I remember my wins and my losses, but you know, the things that I can have positive impacts for, for life, it, it, it truly goes a long way. So I know you touched on it a little bit, but did you always know you wanted to coach women's or was there any thought about coaching men's? Um, it's a tough one. I think, unfortunately, just the way that society has been, and thankfully we've seen um, glimpses of, of this happening over the years. And I think there's been change in it, but I think, unfortunately, it's just, you're a woman you coach women's sports. Um, and like I said, there's been glimpses of, um, women in the NFL, women in the NHL, women in the NBA, um, some, some female officials. So I think you're going to start seeing that more and more that you're not going to be like pigeonholed into the sport by gender because of your gender. Um, you know, but that's, I think change takes a long time, you know, years and years ago, it was always men were the coaches, whether it was a female team or a male team. Um, and then over time, you started to see more women in the field. I think it's still something that we can definitely get better with um, on, on both ends. I think you're starting to see way more female coaches, even on the female end of it. Um, so I think, unfortunately, you're just kind of like, you're a woman, you're going to coach women. Um, but I will say that I love coaching women that I, I knew I wanted to get into that. I think, like I said, I had positive female coaches in my life, um, that I could relate to on a lot of different levels. And the fact that, you know, I, I felt like I could empower them as females too. Um, I, I, I guess I wouldn't say I knew I wanted to coach females, but now that I have, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Awesome. All right. So Tara, I'm going to switch. I'm going to transfer over to you. Um, coach John just touched on it a little bit, but can you talk about more on what do you think is the biggest barrier in driving the visibility of women's sports? Um, biggest barrier for <clears throat> women in sports, female athletics, you know, especially at the college level, like just seems to be the coverage and the publicity. And I know it's out there and I know we see it and social media, especially in the last five, seven, 10 years has been a significant game changer, but it's still we still just need more, more of a presence, like to be more prominent, more 
I guess, in the mix, like the male sports are. Um, a great example right now, like Division One, the college basketball tournament. Um, you know, and basketball clearly is not my sport, but it's, um, you know, the women's games are on, but just not nearly as much coverage as the men's, like the breakdown, the analysis, the, you know, even the education, it seems. Um, you know, I know myself and the other coaches that are on this call, like just pushing our programs, our sports, our teams, our recruits, our culture, you know, especially th through the social media is a great, it's, it's a wonderful avenue for us, but, you know, going back to your question, it's, um, it's just hearing our voices, like making us known, like there's a great commercial running right now. If you've been watching the basketball tournament, um, like a game winning shot that was made a few years ago and it was made by Kelly probably knows this, some others as well, like was made by, you know, a female, a women's college player. Um, and it's, it's a shame that no one knows that, or it's not as commonplace as how many championships Duke has won, you know, that it's coach K's last year. It's just that balancing the equal equilibrium, you know, making the coverage, you know, as balanced on the women's side as it is on the men's side and for all sports, for all avenues of athletics. I think that's super important from your like high profile money-making sports all the way down to, you shouldn't say down to, but all the way across the spectrum, if that makes sense. Yeah. I've actually had this conversation with um, a few of my teammates before about how yeah. there's a lack of coverage. But right. Right. And it's, you know, and I know, you know, the sport that I coach field hockey, which interesting fact, Tracy, coach Leon might know this field hockey is the number two team sport in the world, in the world under soccer. But you wouldn't That's know amazing. that. Isn't no. it crazy? But That's you wouldn't amazing. know that because right in North America, primarily like Canada and the US, I mean, football and hockey take precedent as they always have. But it's just, you know, for myself and the assistants here, it's whatever opportunities we can create, whether it's, you know, summer camp clinics, each of us coaching club outside of our work here at NAS, just growing the game in our respective sport, you know, doing our little bit to help the culture as a whole, I think is huge for sports specific things. And then just females in athletics, you know, and us all as head coaches and the athletes that are on this call right now, the student athletes. I mean, it's that little bit of change. Like Kelly said, it takes time. It takes a long time. Can I jump in? Absolutely. Throw um, dry. I, I agree. I think like what I talked about before that it takes time. Mm -hmm. You do see it every year this time of year with oh, yeah. the NCAA tournament. And I think as, as much as social media has been uh, a negative impact on so many things within our lives the last couple of years, that's one thing that it's been a positive for, um, specifically last year. Um, it really shed a light on, you know, how the NCAA who, you know, says that they're all about Title IX and they're all about um, equity and it really helped TikTok, for instance, you know, having um, Sedona Prince on, on Oregon, who really, really uh, shed a light and showed this is what the men get at the NCAA Final Four and NCAA tournament. And this is what the women get. And it was laughable. Um, it was embarrassing. It was it, it, it was I think it's been going on for years. Um, it just hasn't been a spotlight where, you know, you haven't had a platform to show 
this is what we get and this is what they get. Um, and I think obviously I haven't seen much this year, so hopefully they, hopefully they ramped up, um, but we're not at the final four yet. So I guess we'll also see that too, but you know, even little things as, as the final four comparison with basketball, you know, my brother goes to the final four every year on the men's side and it's, it's a huge party. They have huge headliners for, you know, this famous person is, is this day, you know, doing a free concert and this famous person's here. And then, you know, my, my nephew asked me the other day, can I come to the final four with you one day? And, and I said, sure, I would love that. Um, but unfortunately it's not going to be the same experience as it is when you go with dad. And he asked why, and I said, great question, <laughs> but you know, a lot of it is the money that they're putting into it. And then the time and the energy they're, they're doing all of that for the men and, you know, haven't done so for the women, but again, it's each year a little bit better, but I think it's also because it's being brought to people's attention, how unfair it is. Yeah. So obviously we just had a very good and I think important discussion on coverage um, as being one of the biggest barriers in women's sports. But um, Tracy, could you talk a little bit about what do you think is a big challenge being a female coach? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the barriers I've seen and challenges being a female coach um, over my 20 years coaching is, um, you know, trying to raise a family while being in a career that demands a lot of your time on nights and weekends. It takes you away from your home family and finding a way to get that balance. And it's hard at first. And I think a lot of times that uh, pushes women the other way, or um, they might feel like they can't have a career in athletics because of that uh, reason and having to choose between a family or a career. And I think I've been lucky enough to work for uh, two institutions that really supported me and my family um, and the flexibility of having a family while also having a successful career. And that's at SUNY Brockport as well as here at Nazareth. Um, and just allowing me to merge both families together. Um, you know, the, the kids grew up around my team and um, helping out at practice every now and then if needed and, you know, traveling to away games every now and then as well, just to keep that balance. So I think that's important that, um, that our administration helps to value that family atmosphere as well and supports that because it is really hard to do both um, and, and not have to choose one over the other. It's also how we drive the change, right? You know, by including younger people, we're driving the change. We're showing them what's possible. We're showing them what's valued. We're shifting the culture. So I really appreciate that you include them and that you open yourselves to um, younger generations. We're, we're driving the change. So I, I, I'm really excited to see the development of the DEI ambassador program over the last uh, year or so. Uh, it's a really wonderful move for us, I think. And I think it speaks to our values as an institution and how much we care about um, you know, opening opportunity for all and making sure that we are achieving equity um, across all peoples. And, and of course that is really behind the whole you know, idea of Title IX. And that's, that's really what Title IX has driven for us over the last 50 years. So Taylor, I, I'd love to hear from you as a DEI ambassador, what do you want other students to know about what your goals are on campus uh, for, for diversity and inclusion? 
I think the most important thing for the campus to understand is that we as the DEI ambassadors are not only just trying to push the agenda of Nazareth College's interest in diversity and inclusion, but also their interests as well. We did a lot of interviews for Black History Month and we had a lot of students write in and say, and give their answers to certain questions. And one of the answers was like, I didn't know this even existed. Like I knew there was one other group um, from us as black student athletes, but I don't really know what you guys are doing at all. And I think that that was like a really eye opener for me, at least I sat there for a second and said, wow, you know, we're trying to make change and people don't know, even know we're here. And I think that going forward, my biggest goal is that the student athletes and students in general on campus understand that we are trying our best to promote diversity and inclusion for all and that their interests and their concerns can be brought to us and that's what we want to focus on not as our own focuses that we brought in or that are coming directly from the college that this is really focused on bettering the students lives and perspectives and making Nazareth College a more uh, accepting and just better place for everyone. Yeah, I feel that. I, I think that's that's fabulous. And I appreciate all of you for stepping forward and doing that. Maya Cox, I wonder as a DEI ambassador, what is your why for becoming a, a DEI ambassador? I think going off of what Taylor said, it's really important for me that people know like what we are, especially different athletes of color. To me as an athlete of color in a sport that's primarily dominated by white athletes, it was so important for me to become part of something where I can make a change. And I wanted to have that platform to be able to include other athletes and help other athletes and really create the community that NAS talks about to talk about the challenges that people go through or be able to have a platform to make a change. So that was really something I was passionate about. And I thought that this would be the perfect avenue for me to become a part of and really kind of share my story and work with other people. Yeah, I can agree. Um, we've actually had multiple talks within the past couple of weeks within our DEI meetings. Um, Dr. Hilson, especially, we've had these conversations about why we decided to have this group and why we decided to create this program and initiative to bring awareness and to let students know on campus they do have a voice and that they have an avenue to express their voice. Um, Dr. Hilson, could you talk about how the DEI program is and how it is important for Nazareth students to be doing this work? Yeah, no problem. Um, and, and President Paul, thank you for this opportunity because as you know, COVID threw a wrench in a lot of things um, across higher education in our institution. So um, I think it's fitting that this opportunity and this podcast uh, serves as part of our role of revitalizing and re-energizing uh, this initiative moving forward. So thank you for this opportunity. I wanna partially answer that question by reading directly from the mission of the DEI Ambassador Group. And this is student driven. The mission is fostering and sustaining a culture of belonging where individual differences as well as lived experiences are embraced and empowered as part of an interconnected community within NAS athletics and across the broader Nazareth community. As we talk about change makers and what we're trying to do as a campus, I think this organization and the students that serve, uh, student athletes that serve as DEI ambassadors currently, and those we look to bring into the fold moving forward, they are agents. They are change agents in the truest sense of the word. And so um, as it relates to the value to campus, um, it, it 
it speaks directly into what we're trying to do from a standpoint of leadership development amongst our students, making sure that our students are part of these conversations and have their voices heard on campus as we try to continue to change and create um, an equity-minded campus um, in an authentic and transparent way. And our, our student athletes and our DA ambassadors are kind of leading that charge. There, it is not um, coincidental that this was grounded in um, athletics and a partnership with athletics and the vision for community and belonging. Um, athletes are competitive. And uh, when we try to win, we understand that to win, we have to be part of the game, quote unquote. And so if we wanna create the type of environment that is truly inclusive, that is truly equity minded, that is truly about change, that is truly about social justice and things of that sort, we have students that want to be part of that process. And I can't think of any other um, vehicle than kind of through athletics to help ground some of that. There's a history of um, sport and driving change, of dealing with difficult challenges and issues, um, of trying to move the social justice dial moving forward, whether it's Billie Jean King, whether it's Venus and Serena, as we think about equity in tennis and, and gender equity as far as pay, John Carlos, Tommy Smith, Jim Brown, Bill Russell, Bernadette Maddox, who was the first woman um, assistant coach for men's team with Rick Pitino at the University of Kentucky, and so Abby Wambach, uh, most recently. And so sport and athletics has been a, a launching pad to, to kind of deal with many of these issues. And so it was not uh, coincidental or accidental um, that the ambassador program kind of had its grounding uh, within our um, departments of athletics and across our various sports. And so our students are looking to connect um, not only amongst their peers within um, athletics, but across campus. They're looking to collaborate they're looking to learn as we continue to grow in education and learning about each other um, as it relates to that connection. And so um, that's what we're charged to do. That's what our students have committed to doing. And so I'm extremely proud of them and I'm excited about what we can do, um, not only with this vehicle, um, but how do we spread this and, and truly integrate into what we're doing moving forward. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited. I really love that, Wayne, and I love how you are grounding it in uh, what our student athletes are bringing to our campus by being student athletes, particularly at a D3 institution and the values of a D3 program. You know, you all are leaders. You are important leaders and models on this campus and well beyond the, the, the you know, this campus throughout communities really across the country. Um, and, and so, I think it's really important that this is stemming from athletics, and but it's also opening up athletics and bringing athletics out into our community as being the model and the, the strength that you are. And it's especially exciting to me when I look at the full set of diversity, equity, and inclusion ambassadors, um, it's especially exciting to me to see such strong representation of women. Uh, you know, again, that's a really important part of who we are. It's also a really important way forward. It's a really important way for us to stand up and create social change. So I'm, I'm just, I'm so proud of all of you and, and very inspired by the movement you are creating. Um, I'm wondering, Wayne, um, say a little bit about what the campus response has been like. You know, a part of it, and I think, uh, Tara, and as well as Kelly kind of brought it up, um, part of what we're trying to do is, is be more communicative as far as campus and what we're trying to do within 
of the ambassador program. Um, you know, I've been on campus for about four months now. And so kind of took on leadership as it relates to helping um, from an advisory standpoint with the ambassador group. And so what we've been really focused on is refining our mission, um, refining to the extent of how do our, how do our goals um, kind of align with the broader goals of Nazareth. And so, um, again, this is a launching pad for us to really make sure that campus in a broader sense understands what we're trying to do moving forward. We're excited about um, uh, the recruitment process. Uh, so we've been working with our coaches across the board to make sure that they understand what we're doing, working with our current ambassadors to understand um, the type of talent um, that we're looking to draw from, from our current athletes. And so we're doing um, a much more intentional and purposeful job of making sure that um, the information about our ambassador group is shared across campus and things of that sort. So over the last couple months before the semester's out, you're gonna be seeing a lot more uh, information and marketing um, as it relates to recruiting uh, new ambassadors for the new academic year, um, as well as speaking more to uh, what we're looking to do moving forward. You know, it's something also for us to talk with our prospective students about how exciting for our prospective students to know that this is a leadership responsibility of being a student athlete at NAS and the change makers you can be. Um, to me, that's a really strong statement about what we believe in here and how we not only believe in it, but we walk the walk. What a pleasure it's been and what an incredible discussion for Women's History Month and for the 50th anniversary of Title IX. I, I actually can't imagine a more um, fitting celebration of the progress that we have all achieved through Title IX. I'm just so proud to be part of this institution and such a strong athletics program, uh, such strong women leaders in our athletics program. This has been such a rich conversation that this is just part one. So I hope the listeners will join us for part two. There is so much more coming up. So for today, thanks for listening. <laughs>